So we've been in this series uh, titled Uncommonville. Uh, really, it's a, a walk through Paul's letter to the Christians in Colossae. It's also was um, asked to be distributed through uh, some other nearby towns in Asia Minor. Uncommonville is just a fictional name that I made up for a city or town in which God's kingdom is being made known on earth as it is in heaven. Uh, we've also used the phrase kingdom pods as a fresh way of rethinking the social pods in which we move about during this season of pandemic. And when we look back on 2020, and I think it's important to remember that we will push through this and eventually we will look back on this season. The season will not last forever. Uh, but when we look back at this season, I pray that we are able to note how we pursued God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength, and that we sought out new and creative ways to be a blessing to our neighbors. Um, that's the main thing that I believe that uh, God created us and called us to do and uh, for us to, to not be distracted by all the other things at this time and to lean into that is so important. And so Colossians is a letter that Paul wrote to a small cluster of house churches. And in it, as we saw last week, Paul points to the supremacy of Christ over all creation and in all circumstances. Colossae was a city that was rocked by frequent earthquakes, and the church was being rocked by false teachings, that they were surrounded by people that, that taught things that sounded spiritual, but were not rooted in that supremacy and sufficiency of Christ. So in other words, I think there's a considerable amount of this ancient letter that's relevant to us in this current season that we're in. And so, uh, you may label yourself as an optimist or a pessimist. Um, I uh, joked and said, I am a person that uh, whose glass is half full of poison. Uh, so whether that's optimist or pessimist, but that's, that's my outlook on life. No, whether, however you label yourself, uh, neither disposition precludes you from suffering and difficulty. Each of us in our own way and to varying degrees is suffering right now. And I would say that to remind us that that's the type setting in which God's church thrives. Historically, it has been in the most challenging and even life-threatening circumstances that the church and followers of the way have encountered tremendous growth numerically, as well as a, a growth inwardly. And that's a lot of what we're gonna look at um, for a few minutes this morning. And so um, we will just dive in headlong and pursue God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. If you responded to last Sunday's cha uh, challenge, then you may have taken the time this, re this week to read uh, one of the four Gospels. Or maybe you devoted time to watching a sunrise or a sunset for the purpose of deepening your awe of God. And in spite of the fact that it was more orange than maybe we are used to the sun or the moon being. I, I hope that they were ways that um, you just walked away in awe of the creator um, and sustainer of all things as we looked at last week. And um, these are ways that we train ourselves to love and live like Christ. That's Those are ways that we press pause and uh, enter into those spiritual exercises of reading and paying attention 
And in addition to pursuing God with all we've got, um, let's continue to look for ways that we can be a blessing to our neighbors. I mentioned that maybe uh, maybe you hosted a neighbor for the Marin Foster Care Blues and Brews event last night. Um, but whatever it is, um, this it's it's in times of great challenge. And even when we might even feel a little hopeless, it's imperative that we not drift from what matters most. There will be urgent and unexpected needs that continue to arise, but I want us to focus on what's most important. And Paul addresses what's truly important in the passage that we're going to look at today. Um, so before we look at this passage in Colossians 1, uh, we're going to look uh, at verses 24 to the end of chapter 1. Um, just again, take a moment and settle yourself, or maybe um, unsettle yourself, stand up, stretch for a second. Um, but I want to ground ourselves in the here and now. I want us to bring our whole self to God as we read his words to us. And I think it's important. Um, let's offer ourselves as we are, not as we wish we were or how we figure God would want us to be. We can come to God in the less than whole place that we find ourselves this morning. And God has been lovingly pursuing and wooing you. So will you agree to be still in his presence for just a few more minutes, setting aside any distractions um, as much as you can in order to open yourself to his transforming graces. I know on Zoom, this is especially difficult. There's so many things happening around you. Um, but as you can, as much as you can, uh, give give God your undivided attention. And I will breathe this brief prayer before we read in Colossians. Uh, Father, open our eyes to see wonderful things from your word. Amen. Colossians one twenty four. Now I rejoice in what I am suffering for you. It's a crazy combination. That's That right there should get our attention a little bit. Paul says, as he is writing this from prison, I rejoice in what I am suffering for you, and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church. I have become its servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness, the mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generation, but is now disclosed to the Lord's people. To them, to us, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. He is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. I want to just... Um, for this morning, let's just kind of walk back through some of those verses. I'll put some of them up in the chat feature. Um, I'll have a couple of uh, like survey questions that I'm also going to put in there as well. Um, but I want us to just go back up to verse 24 and help us understand what, what Paul means and also how that can apply to us. Um, 
So verse 24 is one that for the longest time I read it and it seemed really odd because it, it jacked with my theology, uh, my understanding of the sacrifice of Christ. Paul says, I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regards to Christ's affliction. So I, I would read that and I'd be like, does that mean that Christ's sacrifice was not enough? Um, that it's not complete until we also sacrifice? What is... What's really going on there? Um, in my in my little book that has the collection of essays, um, I address this specifically in week four, and I am going to try to avoid duplicating what I talk about on Sundays and what is also in the book. But um, but I think this is such an important aspect for us, and it really kind of sets the tone for the next few verses. Um, when my kids were considerably younger. And by younger, I mean they would uh, not only let me uh, lay down with them at night to, to pray and, and to talk about the day, but we would also both fit on a bed together. Um, and uh, we, we've gotten to the point now where it's one or the other of us uh, laying down on that bed for sure. Uh, but those are such sweet times. The kids loved it. I loved it. Um, the Beth did too. We would just eat up that those those moments um, in the evening as they would talk about their day and we'd share some stories, we'd pray together, things like that. And I remember one time in particular, I'd say Jack was maybe like in kindergarten at the time. I had developed just a real nasty head cold and didn't want to be too close to the kids. And so I told them, hey, I'm not going to be able to lay down with you tonight. And, and they uh, expressed their grief over that. Um, and then a day or two later, Jack said something to me that just caught me off guard. He says, good news, dad, I'm sick too. And I looked at him kind of funny and he's like, I'm, I'm sick. So that means that we can both lay down together again. And the point in that for me, it just, it was so touching because he equated suffering with an ability for us to be together in a unique way. And what I believe Paul is talking about here is um, Paul is discovering that through the suffering that he was undergoing, through the persecution, he was suffering in a way that drew him into a closer fellowship with Christ, drew him into a closer time with the one that he loved and who loved him. And so I want us to think of the challenges that we're going through, not as something, oh, okay, yeah, I bet, I bet Jesus went through something like this or worse, but just to see that this is an opportunity for us to draw closer to Christ. And if it brings us closer to Christ, um, can we rejoice in that? That's, that's where the rejoicing comes in. We don't rejoice for suffering, but we, we rejoice in that, that suffering is what is an opportunity for us to draw closer to our Father. And I think that's a pretty powerful thing uh, for us to, uh, to encounter that. So Paul goes on, and again, he's talking to people that he's never met before. Paul wrote this letter to the church at Colossae and uh, Laodicea. As, as best as we can understand, he's never met them. So he's still, he's probably trying to let them understand more of who he is. And again, he very humbly says, I have become um, the servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness. 
and this, there's two ways that we could look at this, and I, I want us to understand for our day today, we can present the Word of God in its fullness in that we, um, we teach the Bible and all of the Bible. We don't just pick and choose. Uh, that we see that all of it is profitable for our lives. But it's also, this verse can also be translated as a way to say that Paul wanted to preach and present the Word of God to every person in the known world. He wanted the Word of God in its fullness. Um, it's like a, a river overflowing its banks. He did not want anybody to be left out in hearing about the good news of the gospel. Um, I don't know if you've ever prayed to God reach the world. Um, we want to see the world changed by you. Um, but I want us to understand that um, everyone here um, includes, the, we, we have limits and there is a scope to what God has invited us to. We see in Paul's life that he went on three trips, three missionary journeys to the same general area each time. Yes, he wanted the word of God in its fullness to reach everyone, but he kind of began to realize these are the people that God's put on my heart to reach. Um, think of it this way uh, as another example. Jesus never traveled outside of Palestine. Um, he was he spent um, his whole life. It would be similar to and Palestine's bigger than the Bay Area, but probably not by a whole, whole lot bigger. Um, but can you imagine spending your whole life in the nine or so counties that make up the Bay Area and limiting what you're doing um, for God in that one confined space? Um, even Jesus limited the focus of his ministry to what the Father wanted. Um, he realized, and he says this in Matthew 15, um, that I have been sent to the lost sheep of Israel. So even Jesus um, kind of had a focus um, that uh, to the ministry he was doing. Um, we see that he preached a real simple message of God's kingdom. He didn't get drawn into all kinds of political controversies. He just said, hey, I want you to experience the kingdom of heaven right here on earth right now. We also see that Jesus limited his focus to a very few people, not only just to one specific geographic area, but to um, a small number of people, uh, even down to mostly 12 people. And so I share that with you about Paul and Jesus to say that for us to be effective, I think we need to learn the importance of limits. And not because that's limiting, but I think that helps us maximize what God has put us here to do. Our part is to focus on the depth of our serving, on the depth of our ministering, and it's up to God to determine the breadth. Jesus went down deep with a select few people, but we are the result still of that ripple effect of the breadth of that. Paul went down deep with a select few, with Timothy and some specific people, Epaphras. He went down deep, and that the breadth of going down deep with Epaphras and that discipleship led to Epaphras going back to his hometown of Colossae, and only God could determine the reach and the scope from there. Um, I've mentioned that my dad moved to O'Fallon, Missouri when I was a 
it was, uh, I think it was between my junior and senior year of college. And um, I made the, the trip with him from the um, St. Louis County to St. Charles County, the next county over where O'Fallon was, um, one morning and we stopped um, at the city limit sign. And it was just a very meaningful time for me as um, my dad stopped, pulled over by that city limit sign and wrapped his arms around that uh, population sign. And he prayed for the city of O'Fallon. He knew that God did not call him to an entire county. He didn't, he, he felt like God didn't call him to all of St. Louis, but he felt like God called him to the city of O'Fallon. And it was through that little church that he was going to pastor that he wanted to be a part of reaching all of O'Fallon. Um, I remember seeing in his office a large map of the city of O'Fallon. And that helped him uh, kind of track what neighborhoods that he and his church had reached into and which ones were yet to be contacted. So he was real strategic and specific in the way he did it. Um, Barbara Sabido is focused on ministering to foster families in Marin County. Uh, we're going to hear from her next Sunday as we get a recap on their event that took place yesterday. Um, what or who is your focus? If you were going to limit your uh, calling uh, to a specific people, who has God called you to? Brian and, and Stacy Kaplan shared with our faith community, our group last Sunday, their desire to impact the people on the same block on which they live. And they kind of pointed to houses right there in the area and, and named their neighbors by name. These are the people that God's put on their heart. Um, I was talking to one of you the other day who has a growing burden for people struggling through mental illness. And you're praying through what's going to be the best way to minister to people like that. Um, Michelle, you uh, shared with us um, before or after one of the services not too long ago that you've been serving the homeless. So my my question to you is what or who is going to be your focus that uh, in, in which God has called you to reach? In verse 26 and 27 uh, says the mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the Lord's people. To them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this, uh, of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. So this mystery, um, it's, it's, a, it's something that was previously unknown, but now it's revealed. This is the revelation of God. And what Paul is saying is it's not just that God would save the Gentiles. It's not just that God would save those outside of that specially chosen nation, outside of that Hebrew nation. Um, but what the special revelation was and uh, the new mystery was that God would dwell in them and deal with them on the same basis as he did with the Jews. Um, he was saying that um, I am not only going to rescue them, but I'm going to live and make my home among them. And this was this was a pretty radical shift for the Jews, but this was great news for those who felt like they were always outsiders looking in or who felt like they were not deserving of Christ. And it's just a, it's a real powerful phrase, Christ in you. Um, we, uh, several months ago, I had on, um, on the podium as I taught in our auditorium, I had a piece of Tupperware 
uh, that said you on it. And then inside was a smaller piece of Tupperware that said Christ. Christ in you. It's this picture of this is not just you. There is um, the, the living presence of Christ in you to empower you, to remind you that you are the beloved. And this is not just an in you singular. It's actually in this context, it's Christ in you plural. So if Rebecca were to unmute her mic, she would say, this is Christ in y'all. This is Christ among y'all. So when we get together, um, as we are right now, Christ is among us all. When we come together, um, literally in a the same geographic space on Colossians and on Colossians 18, on October 18, um, Christ is among us. And like I said, if if you have ever had the thought cross your mind that you're not deserving of Christ, that you're not deserving of the good and the beautiful that he has for you. Um, Paul is reminding us here that um, this is God making himself known to all of us as though we are now insiders. Christ is among all of us, even if we feel like we are on the island of misfit toys. Um, how many of you remember that from Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, the Island of Misfit Toys? Um, so here's a little uh, a pop quiz, pop culture quiz. So if you'll look for this, um, think back to, to Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer and to that, that scene, uh, the Island of Misfit Toys. I just put this in the chat feature. Which of the following toys were on the island of misfit toys? Can you remember those? Can you remember what you saw in that? A train with square wheels. B, a spotted elephant. C, a water pistol that squirts jelly. D, a bird that swims instead of flies. Rebecca is saying uh, train with square wheels. Barry said that. Tom Holmes said all of them are on there. Susanna back, all of the above. So the answer is, yeah, all of the above. It is all of them. Um, all of those are um, part of the island of misfit toys. Now, I know you're glad that you logged on to this Zoom call. And so I, but I have a follow-up, uh, follow-up question. So I'll put this one in the chat feature as well. It's also a multiple choice. Among the following, to whom has God chosen to make himself known? Among the following, who is it that God wants to dwell among? A, a person who strives to stay on track and yet still encounters a bumpy ride through life? B, a person with a spotted past. C, a person who, when triggered, spews anger or hurt or pain. D, a person who was created to fly, but finds him or herself drowning in a sea of despair. Thank goodness it's all of the above. And this was the... This was such a, a new concept um, for them. 
We are all the misfit toys, and the mystery is that God not only saves misfit toys, but that he chooses to dwell in and among us. Jesus comes to meet us where we are, to love us where we are, and as we are. And as verse 28 that we're about to look at stresses, we, we can be lovingly pulled in the direction of maturity and personal growth. I'll put this verse in the chat feature as well. He is the one we proclaim. He is the one we proclaim, admonishing, and that kind of, that word admonishing kind of means like to warn, like if somebody is about to get into trouble, um, admonishing is to say, hey, I'm, I want to prevent you from the consequences of this. Um, and then teaching, which is pretty much as it, as it says there, uh, to give people um, helpful information and understanding. He is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. He is the one we proclaim. In other words, Paul proclaimed a person, not a philosophy. Um, it was a reminder for us that we proclaim a person that we don't merely invite people to a church or to a belief system. Uh, we are inviting people into a lifestyle of apprenticing under Jesus. And you may notice that the word everyone is used twice in this one verse. Uh, admonish and teach everyone and present everyone as fully mature in Christ. And this use of everyone is a reminder that maturity in Christ is not just for a select, special, specially trained few of us. Each and every one of us has the potential to, to attain maturity in Christ. Paul was writing to a group of Christians who were misinformed by Gnostic teaching that taught that only a select few could acquire a special knowledge necessary to attain glory. But the good news is that this is a life available to everyone. Maturity in Christ is available to each of us. Um, Colossians 1.22, we looked at last week, tells us that Christ's purpose for us is to present us holy, without blemish, and free from accusation. That's a description of the maturity. Paul says um, that his purpose is the same as Christ's purpose, to present everyone fully mature in Christ. And this word mature, in some translations, it's written as perfect, which is really kind of daunting. Um, but the best way to think of it as, um, is mature or complete. Um, it's the Greek word teleos, which describes being brought to its complete end. Um, to being brought to completion. John 19.30 is another way that this verse, this word is used, and I'm going to put that verse in. This is uh, stated by Christ from the cross. John 19.30, when he had received the drink, Jesus said, it is finished. It is teleos. With that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. When Christ said those words, that was not a cry of defeat 
or surrender. It wasn't like Jesus said, okay, I'm, I'm done and I can't do this anymore. That's not what he meant by it is finished. It was actually a triumphant declaration of, I have completed everything that my father sent me here to do. So using that same word, teleos, to bring people to a place where it is complete, it's finished, they're mature. Paul's aim was to lead people to maturity in Christ. His purpose was to lead people into fulfilling their purpose. And that sounds great, but we are reminded that this does not happen easily. Um, Paul was a pretty big fan of truth and advertising. In verse 29, Paul says, To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. He's saying for you to become mature in Christ, for you to fulfill everything that the Father put you here on earth to do so that on, as a part of your last breath, you can say, it is finished. My life is complete. It's going to require effort. It's going to, Paul is saying, I'm willing to partner with you and strenuously contend with you so that this becomes a reality in your life. That strenuously contend phrase is a, a phrase that Paul uses so often, or it's a it's a metaphor that he uses so often in an athletic, it's an athletic term. And it refers to competing in a game or an athletic contest. And you can just picture the out of breath, winded, sweaty athlete who has just left it all on the field. And this path to Christ-likeness, this path to maturity and living a life that is complete, it involves, as Paul was saying earlier, suffering, but suffering together. It's together we surrender as an unavoidable step in our maturing process. And surrender seems to always carry a certain degree of suffering or discomfort. If I were to ask you, what is something that you set out to do that required a lot of hard work and even suffering or sacrifice? You could probably tell me some real practical examples. Some of you are in the job that you're in right now because of a lot of hard work and even suffering and some sacrifice. Some of you are in what is a beautiful marriage because you saw the value of hard work and sacrifice. Some of you um, are looking at, um, at just the grace-filled kids <laughs> that you were blessed to have in your family. And that was not without some effort on your part, some hard work, some suffering, and some sacrifice. Or it could just be that boat out back, that car in your garage, something like that. You put in a lot of hard work and a lot of sacrifice to get that. So we kind of understand the best things in life don't come without effort. And what Paul is saying is, if there is one thing that I'm going to strenuously contend for, if there is one thing that I am willing to sacrifice for, it is for you to become complete in Christ so that someday when you like Christ are breathing your last breath you can say with triumph 
I completed everything that, that the Father sent me here to do. These things don't happen haphazardly. We don't just find ourselves at the end of life experiencing that. We have to agree that what is required for that are intentional steps. Intentional steps that we take. There is a method to that madness that brings us to the point of experiencing a life like that. For us to become the type of people where we are mature, we are complete. And maybe one of the best ways to describe this, if you're asking yourself, am I, would I be considered mature? I think Galatians 5, 22 and 23 gives us a picture of maturity. And we're, we're in process, or we can choose to be in process. Um, and Paul says that basically he's kind of saying this is a picture. This is a snapshot of maturity. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Maturity is a life marked by love. What does love look like? I believe it looks like everything following that in that verse. We are filled in mature um, with love when we have a life that exhibits joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. But for that vision of love to be a predominant character of your life, it requires intentional effort and a specific means by which love can become that reality in your life. To enter into a process of being formed into the likeness of Christ with a small circle of others is a necessary first step. Um, and I'd like for us to consider how we can offer you, and I say we, the leadership of this church can offer you guidelines or a, a method, a path for the how of those changes in your life. Is there something that you are striving for? Is there a way that you want to grow in that expression of love? Um, I want to urge you to consider this. Um, email me if you would be interested in somewhere around a two to three month journey, meeting on a weekly basis in some form or fashion, a journey of transformation with a small circle of two or three people. If that's of interest to you, email me, gary at baymarin.org, and let's talk about what intentional steps you could begin taking together in the context of that community so that you can be more like Jesus going into 2021 than you are right now, that you can continue this ongoing process of maturity, of completion. So what is, what's your primary takeaway this morning? As you read and receive these words in Colossians, is there a truth you need to accept? Is there a wound that needs to be cleaned and dressed this week? Is there a courageous step of faith that you need to take? Is there an area of your life that needs to be surrendered to God so that you can grow? Is there a small pod of people that you need to partner with? Justin's going to lead us in a song, maybe new for some of you, 
Um, but just the title itself really sets it up. The song is called Jesus, All for Jesus. And as we prepare for communion, I want this song uh, to bring our focus um, into and all around Jesus at this time. So I'm going to pray, and then Justin's going to lead us in that. Father, I thank you for loving us in our misfit condition, for coming to us, for desiring to dwell among us. And thank you for this reminder by Paul that we don't have to remain in that condition, uh, but you are lovingly wooing us towards completion, towards maturity. And may each of these steps, as strenuous and as challenging as they may be, may there be a deep sense of joy in us as we um, continue our growth in Christ's likeness. It is our desire not just to be good, not just to be different from the world. Um, Jesus, our eyes are set on you. We want to think and to speak and to respond more and more like, like you. Jesus, it's all about you and it's in your name we pray. Amen.